Hello and welcome back to the Cisco UKI podcast, the podcast where we take the acronyms out of tech and we put the fun in. Hey, I'm Jitu. Thanks for listening to the Cisco UKI podcast. I love that podcast. I was that obsessed with um, the popcorn at the pink concert at Impact that I ordered on Amazon American theatre popcorn. So it arrived yesterday. I love it. Okay. It's going to be salty at the pink concert. Oh. I love salt popcorn, but they stopped doing like buttery salted popcorn in the UK like long time ago. So it was, yeah, that was my heaven. It's corn. A big lump of nuts. It's got the juice. It's got the juice. <laughs> Can't imagine a more beautiful thing. <laughs> oh, it's in my head now. Rosie, we're back recording the podcast. We're refreshed after the summer. We've both come back from our first ever Cisco Impact. For people who are listening that might not be part of Cisco, tell us, Rosie, what exactly is Cisco Impact? Where did we go? What did we do? What did we learn? Who did we meet? It's basically our sales kickoff uh, that we have in Vegas, um, usually every year, but obviously it hasn't happened because of COVID. So it was Colette and I's first one. Um, but it's true what they say, you really do come back energized, you get to understanding all the messaging for the year and what the focuses are for the business, for our customers. Uh, and it's just, yeah, it's great to all be back together, learning and ready for the new year. Agreed. Great synopsis. I definitely feel energized. I love getting the buzz out of meeting people that we haven't ever met before, especially our teams who I'm part of like a kind of European wide team. So I hadn't met my boss in real life until uh, we went to Vegas and went to Impact. So yeah, absolutely thoroughly enjoyed it and very psyched up for the year ahead. So what else has been happening? Rosie, you've been traveling a wee bit outside of work. Yeah, we've um, so like one of the things I said coming out of uh, COVID, obviously, I didn't go anywhere for two years, didn't even attempt to leave the country just because I couldn't be bothered with all the different rules and regulations. So I, after the pandemic, decided that I want to go to all the European cities that I've not been before and just pick random ones and just go. So um, Seb and I were in Brussels last weekend. So that was really great. Beautiful city would definitely go back. Um, and then this weekend, me and my sister are off to Paris, uh, which we've been to Disneyland Paris, but it doesn't really count, does it? So looking forward to actually seeing Paris. Yeah, I'm very jealous. You've been out and about a lot. It's like after Vegas, I was very much ready just not to be on a plane again for a while. So, but you have done the complete opposite. <laughs> I know. Feels like I haven't stopped, but I know it's good. At, um, it's just it's just nice to see different cities. You get change the scenery. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. What about you? What have you been up to, Colette? Um. So after Vegas, um, just that weekend there, I actually went on a nice big family weekend away. So I was Sorry, looking. Did it, do you know what it reminded me of? Sorry to interrupt, but you know what it reminded me of was um, cheaper by the dozen. You know when they go to the lake. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. So I think I probably mentioned on the pod before, but I'm part of like quite a big extended family. So my dad's the youngest of 10 brothers and sisters. I have a whole lot of cousins, um, but we're actually a really close family. And every now and then we always just try and get away for a weekend. So we went to a lovely place kind of um, 
Blair Gowrie, Glen Sheeway, for anyone in Scotland that knows that area. It's a stunning part of the country. We were actually very, very close to Balmoral. Um, so obviously, with very sadly, with the Queen's passing, um, we that weekend that we were there, um, she was still at Balmoral. So there was quite a bit of stuff going on in that area, a lot of people around. Um, some of my aunties and uncles travelled out to, to Ballater to go and have a little drive around and pay their respects. And... And the rest of us stayed where we were staying, which is a place called Dalnaglar. If anyone's ever looking for a nice wee breakaway in Scotland, it was absolutely beautiful. And we did lots of activities. So we had a lot of kids with us, a lot of adults. We did some, the estate that we were staying on had like a rowing boat. So we had a bit of a rowing boat race. We That's what reminded me of that. <laughs> yeah, and we're really, really competitive as a family. So we had a bit of a race on the boat, timed race. And it was just so good, like, see, just to be outside of it, there was a part that I just felt like it was a really deep moment where I was just sitting, it was like basically a bunch of cottages we all had, and I was sitting on a deck in our cottage, and all the young kids had found a tree swing in the woods, like, and you could kind of see them in the distance, and I was just like, this is so nice for them not to be on their tablets or not sitting in front of a TV and, like, just finding tree swings and just going for it, and it was absolutely brilliant, and... Yeah, my little boy Charlie just thought it was the best thing ever, thinks it's so cool having big cousins and just basically wants to do everything with his cousins. He asks me every day after nursery, are we going to see my cousins today? And I'm like, no pal, not today. Um, but yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. We were really, really lucky with the weather. A lot of midges around though. Who thought midges were still around at this time of the year? Anyway. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that wasn't great. They like me too, the midges. But that's it. I mean, that's a whirlwind of our life over the last wee while. Um, I can't actually remember the last time we were on a pod, but um, here we are. This week's, this week's, this month's podcast is an exciting one for me as a collab seller. So um, in collaboration, we obviously focus on all different areas of our collaboration portfolio, but one of them is something called CPAS, um, which is a communications platform as a service. And Cisco last year acquired a company called IMI, now known as WebEx Connect. And basically it's everything to do with all the ways that businesses now connect with their consumers. So when you go onto a website and there's a chat bot, or when you get a text message to say your parcel is going to be delivered, IMI, WebEx Connect, powers loads of that so we had the privilege of speaking to Jay Patel who told us a story of the acquisition and how it's been joining Cisco um, and just a little bit about IMI the technology and also his background and his passions and it was a great chat wasn't it Rosie? Yeah very well rounded nice to meet someone who was also an economist and has ended up in the technology world <laughs> uh, but yeah he just has a great entrepreneurial spirit I would say and everything that really comes across uh, when we speak to him and kind of his wider passions outside work so it was um, yeah just a fascinating to understand a bit more about him and more about IMI for those who don't or well, WebEx Connect for the, those that don't know what it is or don't know that Cisco have now acquired that uh, piece of the market so um i think shall we roll the interview yeah i was gonna say if i didn't want to jump in your bit we shall so we'll just say jay welcome to the cisco uki podcast we really appreciate you taking out some of your time from your busy schedule yeah. to come and join us today um and we tend to kind of just kick off with well, we could kick off with a bit of an icebreaker today. We haven't done this one in a while. Um, so we always kick off with a bit of an icebreaker where 
if you were to go to a supermarket of your choice and go yes. pick up a meal deal, okay, so you pick right. whether it's Tesco or Marquis, yeah, whatever yeah, you like to yeah. shop, what would be your meal deal of choice? So what would be your main, your snack, and your drink? Okay, there we go. So are we going to start with that? Are we recording yeah. already? Are we? Yeah, we're recording. Yeah. Okay, well, um, what would I go for? I think I would go for a prawn and mayo sandwich from Mark's with a packet of salted crisps and an orange juice. Oh, nice. Good choice. That, 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 that'd be my go-to. And they also, Mark's also do those three kind of sandwiches in, in, in a pack so because sometimes yeah. two, two is not enough and you want a bit more so you, <laughs> you just need a wee bit extra so, so we would extra so they've got the, they've got the three packs as well you can have like a blt a cheese and onion and a chicken yeah sandwich. that's what i would always go for because i am the worst person at making a decision when it comes to food so i like to just have my options so i would always go for a multi-pack <laughs> Yeah, I'm the worst. Yeah. So, like yeah. the, Rosie will tell you, the worst. I get really stressed when people come to take my order. I'm like, I'll go last. <laughs> um, but no, good answers. And prawn's been a popular one, actually. I'm pretty sure a few people we've asked yeah, sure. which yeah. they, they are incredibly calorific. They really oh, are. Really? A prawn yeah. sandwich because yeah. meal. It's the mayo. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. You're as well not looking, Jay. Just don't look. <laughs> Just enjoy yourself. Exactly. <laughs> Just take us back then, Jay, take us back to the beginning of your career and tell us a little bit about how did you ever become interested in technology? Um, so my career now, I think it says, uh, um, I started as an economist, so I actually trained in, in doing economics. And I'd still say that's probably my major interest in general um, outside of work. Um, but I did economics and then I, I did accountancy, but I was never going to be an accountant. I got involved um, working for Sky TV when Sky had just started in the UK. So I was the CFO's bag carrier at Sky. And, um, and Sky at the time was actually a, a, a pretty cool tech because they were using these satellites to deliver TV you know, into all these households uh, with these set-top boxes. So I think that's probably where the, kind of the seed started of looking at how tech can change industries. And yes, yeah, Sky obviously changed uh, the broadcast industry. And from that, I went on to do an MBA and into investment banking. And I think that was the bit, that was the where I really didn't enjoy my job. So I was working in investment banking in the city and the dot-com boom was taking off in the late 90s. So if you remember, there was all these, there was, there was you know, internet browsers, um, there was Netscape, Yahoo, and all those things were starting. And I was relatively young. Um, no, no dependence. Um, and I left a very high flying job to do what at the time was a venture capital fund when they were actually quite new in the UK. Um, and we were, we were trying to copy an idea from the US where they had, um, what used to be called, um, idea labs. So you'd invest in lots of small little ideas, uh, with a fund and see what happened. And, and, and so, I, so I got involved and co-founded a business called Spark Ventures. It was one of the early stage um, venture capital funds in the UK, and um, and I've been involved in tech ever since. And that, and that, so, so since the dot com boom, and obviously there was a boom and bust. So you know we had a couple of great years, and it and it really was pretty reminiscent of what's happened in the last couple of years, where everything's about technology, and then there was a bit of a bust, 
Um, but over the years, if you look at what's happened with tech, um, it's been a great place to be because it's got obviously changed all our lives. Um, and yeah, and I'm, I'm thankful that I took the jump from a big corporate job into the kind of innovation world um, when I was young, free, and, and well, it wasn't that simple <laughs> then, but if, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I'm a fellow economist. I uh, studied economics at university and yeah. also decided that the the corporate banking life was not for me. And that's how I ended up in tech. So it's uh, funny to kind of have the similarities there. So your business, IMI, was acquired by Cisco in 2021. So yeah. can you just kind of tell us how did IMI come about? So, so that venture fund that I was involved with, we had invested in IMI more or less as a startup. So, you know, we basically um, had invested, I mean, um, you, you, both of you are too young to remember, but there used to be a thing called 2G. It went from 2G to 3G and then 4G and now we're at 5G. So when, when, the, when the technology, the telecom market was 2G and going to 3G, there was essentially an opportunity to build digital platforms. And those platforms is when IMI started. So we started, we invested a bit in a business that was going to build software to sell to telcos. So telcos could um, service you with all these cool services like football alerts or jokes or um, ringtones and, and, and all that stuff. So in the very early days, IMI was selling software to carriers for them to provide services to their customers. And we got involved, we, we put a bit of money in, um, and that business grew pretty well. For, in the first few years, it was, it was, it was pretty good, excellent growth. But then if you remember, the iPhone came along. And when the iPhone came along, it really created quite a problem for the telcos because the telcos suddenly, from having this great vision of being able to sell things to their consumers, the telcos actually had to stop doing that because Apple was doing that. And therefore, they didn't, they didn't need this, the platforms that IMI and a whole bunch of ecosystem provided. So we pivoted at that point into working for, again, large entities, but, but consumer organizations like banks, utilities, and providing them with software that enable them to communicate with their customers on these different digital channels. So whether it's on SMS, on email, through the app, push notifications, obviously. And nowadays, you've got things like um, Facebook Messenger, you've got WhatsApp. So basically, we saw a gap in the market that said that essentially with the iPhone and smartphones, what you've got is you've got a number of touch points for customers to talk to businesses back and forth. And there was nobody really in the market in those days at least that was providing that glue between back-end business systems and these emerging touch points. And so that's where the CPaaS market has come from. And um, as I said, you know, my mind did a kind of pivot. I got involved operationally when we did the pivot um, and then after kind of being seconded for a couple of years, I then got involved as CEO and then we've kind of grown the business um, over the last 10 years and obviously last year um, sold to Cisco. And, 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 and during the process, we also listed the company in the UK market. So we went through the UK public markets as well, um, you know, bought a few companies and also internationalized the business. So we were very UK centric. So I know you've got a UK audience here. I, I can always go into a room in the UK broadly and say that I can guarantee that everybody in the room has had a message that's passed through 
an IMI server within the last week or two. Right? Because if you look at our UK list, we would manage 80-odd percent of all the carrier comms. So when a new iPhone is launched, whether the message is going from Vodafone to Vodafone's customers, um, EE or O2, the platforms they're using essentially is, is IMI's platform. So it's, it's, it's our software in the middle. Um, similarly, if you get a message from your bank about a direct debit, um, you know, you're overdrawn, interest rates have changed, all that. If you're with Barclays, Lloyds, NatWest, yeah, it would have gone through our platforms. Um, if you get a, if you get a notification from Royal Mail, um, to tell you your parcels coming tomorrow morning at two o'clock, again, that's gone through our platforms. So in the UK, we established a really good market share with a lot of really big um, corporates. And then we went to the US. And then in the US, um, you know, we, we're very competitive for a UK business to be competitive with some of the Silicon Valley, um, guys. So we were pre-acquisition very focused on how could we get bigger in the US. It's a great story. You've actually answered a lot of my questions in that snippet <laughs> there. Um, so during the acquisition, we went from IMI, now known as WebEx Connect yep. here. Um, and yeah, so you mentioned CPAS. So Rosie yep. and I like to always say on our podcast that we take the acronyms out of tech and we yep. put the fun in. So yep. explain to us exactly what CPAS means and why is it so important nowadays for in the modern world for businesses to be on top of their kind of CPAS offering? So the CPAS stands for Communications Platforms as a Service. And basically what it is, is it's a, it's, as far as there's a few others in the market, they've essentially um, created cloud multi-tenant pieces of software that enable consumer organizations of any size to embed some communications into a business flow. And historically, if you recall, and again, and if you go back a long time, you know, um, if you change your direct debit or, or if they have to notify you of your, your, of a change in your, you know, an interest rate or something, it used to be done by letter, right? <laughs> and then, and then email came along and okay, email is good for some things, not for other things. SMS came along and each of these kind of mediums of communication that have come along has actually been embedded into a business process, but it's actually been relatively clunky. So email, so, so print involves huge print runs. Email also involves lots of templated, basically bulk processes. SMS involves working with carriers, which is always quite complex. So what's happened in the last 10 years is a lot of these channels and their functionality have been put into software. And then that software has been made easier to use through APIs, through, to, through tools, so a company, an enterprise, and its developers can use those tools and embed a communication flow into any business process and do it quite easily. So, so, so today, nowadays, you know, I would say that, you know, for example, you can order a phone number, you can send out an SMS, you can do you know, in, in, you know, in minutes, and rather than previously it may have taken you weeks. Uh, for example, in the US, the US is a really good example. You, the US, the revolution happened there where, um, you know, to order an AT&T you know, phone number, voice number would have taken you eight weeks or 12 weeks. And today you can go on the internet this afternoon and get yourself a US phone number in minutes. So, so the revolution in communication platform service over the last few years is essentially a lot of things that were taking place, um, on premise, 
things that are taking place through long, drawn-out physical or, or, or written processes have essentially been put into the cloud, put into microservices, put into APIs, enabling businesses to... Now, the reason it's important for businesses is because by communicating more with customers, you actually build a relationship. And therefore, by building the right relationship rather than bombarding them, you basically obviously can make them more loyal as customers, but also you um, ultimately can reduce a huge amount of cost. And, you know, I think, um, for example, um, the, the engineering visits we get from Centrica, you know, and we, we manage their field force um, stuff, um, by you knowing when the engineer is going to visit between a, you know, two, four, two to six or four or whatever else, then again, you know, the, the number of times historically they would have turned up and people have not been at home. Right. And then that's just a wasted trip. Right. And if you have the ability also, and, and, and we see our clients who do, so if the customer's not going to be at home, they can respond over a real time channel. And then that can then reschedule everybody. So essentially it's a huge cost saving and on, you know, optimizing the engineering time and productivity out in the field. And there's lots of examples where, you know, again, providing that two way communication with customers just helps reduce cost. Um, and um, so not only do you get more loyal customers, but you're, it, it also costs you less to actually serve them. So obviously, you know, you're doing really well. You've, you've um, been through like a huge operational change. You've managed to pivot the business. I'm sure you had a lot of interest from a lot of people, but what made Cisco the right fit to sell to back in 2021? I think I think I think when you run a, um, a public company, one of the things is is technically you're always for sale. I mean, you, you know, um, you, you have no real choice. I mean, in reality, like what happens is <laughs> is if somebody comes in and offers your shareholders a lot of money, um, they they can say yes, no, and you just you are the executives have to make whatever your shareholders want to do happen. Um, so we were not quotes for sale. We weren't, we weren't looking for it, yeah, but we were, we were always talking about. Yeah, the biggest challenge that I saw, the biggest opportunity I saw, was how would we become big in the US? Right? Because, like I said, in the UK, I read off all these names and, mm. and we'll go, wow. And I genuinely think we've got the best client list of any software company I know in the UK market. We've got a great client list. In the US, we've got a good client list, but it's still small. Right? You know, I mean, I've got Best Buy, Walgreens, Rogers, Trackphone, there's, there's a bunch of them, but the US is huge compared to the UK. So, so over the last few years, I spent a fair amount of time thinking about how would we get bigger in the US. Uh, we'd acquired a company down in, in, in Boca Raton. Uh, we were making, making progress. And I think the fit with Cisco really came about because obviously with Cisco in the contact center, um, you know, they you know, need digital channels in the contact center. And we're a, a, a technology that can help them get that. And then also with Cisco's kind of reach into corporate America Clearly, there is, um, you know, there's a lot of distribution there that we could benefit from. And, um, so, you know, I think, uh, um, Cisco is, is, a, is a good fit also because the space we're in, there is no one dominant globally today. You know, there's a company called Twilio, which most people have heard of. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, it is, it's a very good business. They created a great platform. Um, but, you know, they are, they focus very much on developers rather than high-end enterprise. And, um, but they're still a 
still a relatively um, small part of a big fragmented market. So I've always thought that a Cisco, a Microsoft, and Amazon, a Salesforce, unfortunately, like could actually dominate the space. And the space I'm talking about is, like I said, when I, as I said to you earlier, you know, with smartphones and actually with any device going forward, whether it's your watch, could be something at home, it could be a doorbell, it could be, there's a whole bunch of things that are essentially going to be on the edge of a network mm-hmm. with an ability for a customer to interact. That interaction has to be glued into backend systems in order for it to be any be of any benefit. There's nobody who dominates that space for that glue, right? So you've got to basically provide a, a way f- to integrate into all these different channels of communication on one side of, of, of your solution, and on the other side, provide tools for enterprises to stitch that into their systems. So to stitch it into their CRM, into their banking system, into their HR system. So that's what we do. That's what Connect does. And I would say that that opportunity is still, we're still at the early stages of that playing itself out. Um, the US market is the big market for it over the, the medium term. Cisco historically has been powering the internet through essentially physical network routers and things. As it tries to move into the software world, I think there's a lot of software solutions that also essentially provide this kind of hidden infrastructure. Like, you know, nobody can see this stuff, right? Mm. But it's there, right? You know, um, and I think that's the solution of the space where the Cisco brand would matter because, again, one of the things that um, customers want from us um, and we increasingly want is 100% SLA. I mean, you know, five nines, whatever. I mean, it is, you know, it cannot fail, right? Um, so if a, uh, I'll go, you know, examples of, um, you know, we do things for people like the AA in the UK, uh, you know, roadside assistance. There's a whole program of messages that go back and forth from you to a backend system without the need for a human agent. If, if that fails on a wet Friday afternoon, it's a problem for their call centers and it's a problem for NPS and problem for everything. It can't fail. So essentially, a lot of the interactions between customers and the backend systems have got to be automated, have got to always work, mission critical. And that's where, again, the Cisco brand for quality, for security, for scalability, for all the things that, that we know it stands for is, you know, you, you could put the brand on what we do. And um, I think obviously people at Microsoft can do it as well and Amazon and others, but there aren't that many. And I think that's the big opportunity for us. I think Cisco is a great home for that. And then also, um, I think once you get past the kind of, let's call it the business reasons for doing a deal, the financials and, um, and, and, and all that, um, there's also just how do you fit? Uh, you know, well, you know do, do, do you like the people, culture? Um, and I think we were always throughout the process incredibly impressed by how respectful everybody we met. And anybody who's been through this process with Cisco will know that you meet a lot of people. You know, it is it is it is a it is a huge committee group hug on, on every meeting. Um and um but it was a process where during the process you felt as if okay, this this is you know, th- there's a lot of um, respect shown to us as a relatively small business. Um and that's also obviously post acquisition. You know, it's um there's just a there's a lot of um 
And I, I, I think it's respect for sure, but it's also then that that's how the business behaves. I think there's, there's, a, there's a cultural aspect to it. You know, people behave well. Um, and I think that also obviously made us feel good and therefore a good fit. Um, you know, we've been a entrepreneurial business, but still kind of run by people who'd started the business. So you'd kind of have that family feel um, um, to the business. Um, and I think you know, it's very difficult for Cisco to have that at the scale it is. But for the scale it is, it still has that feeling of people you understand what ELT wants to do. You know, there's a lot of um, um, emphasis put on um, looking after the, the people. I think that's something which um, also makes it um, a good fit. And if you're a business and you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, I really, really want to like invest in omnichannel communications, but it seems very complicated and I'm just not sure that we've got the resource to sort of do it. What no. would you say to businesses like that? Um, get going because firstly, what I say to a lot of businesses and a lot of CIOs and CXOs is, some of them don't have that long in their roles. Some of them have two, three years, that's it, four years to make an impact. And the old way of doing a lot of IT was big planning cycles, on-premise, heavy integration. And I would say that what we provide is it's cloud, it's multi-tenant, it's API, you pay by usage, you can get going tomorrow and have a, have a quick impact. So, so one of my key messages to sellers is every is you know we provide agility right you know we provide an, a means to getting things done quickly and not having to rip and replace everything you've got um but still having transformational change and i think this is where um yeah and it's not just true of us i think it's true of lots of cloud software businesses you know you can quickly change things by adopting you know cloud software apis um, not going through a huge transformational change, iterating your way to better customer experience and getting going. So it's not, for me, it's not difficult to get going. We you know, so we have, um, you know, we, we, we've got a sandbox that um, people can work with. Uh, we've got lots of examples of how to integrate our platforms into, into different industries, different use cases. Um, and, you know, I think, like I said, because it's a, it's a, it's largely consumption based. Right, so you, know, you, I mean, you pay on consumption. Um, um, I think it's something that also isn't the big risk either. That I know a lot of IT projects and multi IT projects have. With us, you can get going. Now, I don't always want them to stay small and only doing a few things with us. You know, the reason we do it is because we know that once we get inside an organisation, that we can prove the value of our software and the value of using it for use cases. And therefore, we see, you know, in, in, in many cases, you know, you know, we can go from one use case in one division to you know, multiple use cases in multiple divisions. And therefore, in terms of account size, we can obviously grow our accounts um, 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 quite well and it be a win-win for the customer and for us. And look, I'm, I'm a millennial. I'm quite a stereotypical one in the sense that Lots of millennials don't like making phone calls about stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So whether we have to phone to like, like you say, change oh. a direct debit or buy yeah. new insurance, like I would just much rather go on a chat or just yep. be able to self do it online. So what is the trend in industry these days in terms of like it's, 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 calls it's, happening versus it, people chatting, for example? It's a trend to, 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 to suit the millennials, which is ultimately 
I don't think anybody likes calling a call center. No, I mean, nobody likes calling a business for a lot of basic stuff. And one of the things that we, in the last few years, that's been fascinating, and we're superbly well positioned te- technically for it, is you've seen the rise of things like WhatsApp. And, you know, WhatsApp has provided, you know, it's, 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 not, a, it's not a telecom service. It's a service provided by Facebook for us t- to talk amongst our family and friends. And, you know, we would say, why can't you, you talk to a business like you talk to your family and friends? You know, you have an ongoing conversation. Um, and, you know, we actually have, I think, at Centrica, use what, our WhatsApp solution to talk to, to their customers. I've used it through WhatsApp. You know, when my boiler was not working last year. Um, and, you know, you of course, there's a lot more of these chat solutions that will allow you to talk directly to a bot or even to a human agent. So it's not just, you know, and, and there's, you know, people have had bad experiences with talking to bots. And I think that's because the bots weren't built well. And, and therefore, you know, a lot of customers have kind of gone, oh, well, we don't, we don't want to do that. You know, we want people to come and talk to us. But, it creates, it's a lot more expensive and a lot of customers don't want to talk to you. They actually just want to get what they want done. So using chat channels with human agents, partly um, um, organized through a bot, is definitely the future. On top of that, you've got these new channels. So you've got a thing called Apple Business Messages, which people don't really know, but you do use it because you currently, well, if you've got an Apple phone and you get the blue ticks and the green ticks, you know, green ticks are using a telecom network. The blue ticks are using Apple's network over IP. And you can actually do a lot of cool things um, um, on, on Apple devices where you can get um, um, tiles and cards and all sorts of rich media in the messaging. In a similar fashion, on Android phones, there's a technology called RCS, which will basically ultimately um, um, replace SMS. And again, you know, some of you may have seen um, the ability to have carousels, videoing messages. Um, and what you're going to see in the next few years is Apple, Google, and Facebook essentially are introducing more touch points that have got rich media that will allow um, businesses to talk to their customers. So not only will we talk to our customers through email, of course, and SMS, but we're going to be using Apple, Google, and WhatsApp, or Apple Business Messages, RCS, and WhatsApp, and we, as I might, we're neutral to what channel our customers want to use. We provide all the channels, you know, because you know some customers would like to use millennials, they want to use WhatsApp. Some will actually go, no, no, I just I prefer being communicated by SMS or please call me, right? So you know, the the flexibility um, is with is within our platforms, but I think for a lot of what I'd call straightforward transactional use cases. I think some of these new channels of communication are going to be what we do. And in a few years' time, I just don't even see. Um, I, I think you'd only, you'd only talk, you'd only have high value conversations with uh, a service provider and, you know, video or very high value when you need some level of, uh, of consultative, um, you know, advice or selling or something. A lot of the transactional stuff will be automated away. Will go through these richer media um, messaging platforms. Um, I'll get. I, we, we launched one thing in um, the US recently, I think last week or the, a couple of weeks ago, with um, AutoZone. So AutoZone is a bit like our kind of quick fit right, in the UK. Um, you know, Eight thousand branches, lots of uh, places now. 
Um, so a lot of people will call up their local garage, search online, call the local garage for really basic stuff. And what Google have got is a thing called Google Business Messages, right? Which is another touch point. So when you search AutoZone in the US now, a little chat thing comes up alongside the website, you know, the phone number and the chat widget. And that chat widget allows you to talk to that particular store, right? And on the other side of it is our solution, which allows the store to have somebody that can just chat. So it means that they don't need to kind of, the store can handle, and yeah, well, firstly, it just deflects phone calls from the store. And, um, and then you can, you can obviously also put a bot on it as well. So you don't even need the human agent on, on the other side. You now people are calling up for, you know, um, you know, where's my order? You know, or is my car ready? Um, you know, I mean, there's lots of things like that that can just be answered through, uh, through automation. So you're seeing, more and more use cases on these new channels. And like I said, I think in a few years' time, we'll, we'll, the world will change quite significantly in how businesses and consumers um, interact with each other. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the, well, I spent about 45 minutes on, on the phone on hold to someone recently for them to say, oh, sorry, we didn't mean to email you. It was just a glitch in the system. And I was just like, <laughs> If only I could have just had a quick chat and said, oh, sorry, but no, I had to stay on hold for four to five minutes. So definitely, I think those days are long gone that we'll be sat well, one, you know, on the phone for so long. One, one thing you mustn't, mustn't underestimate is the impact of COVID. You know, COVID has mm. meant that the population at large is used to video and it's used to messaging. So we've all created WhatsApp groups and we all message each other all the time. And we all have these video calls. Today, business has not yet used what I would call these technology rails. These are, these are kind of technology railroads that have been set because of COVID and accelerated because of COVID. Businesses now need to start using them because consumers are okay using them. So you're going to see a lot more use of video. I'm sure video banking and those loads of things that we'll, we would want to talk to somebody yeah, at a service provider. That's going to for sure happen. And then messaging, right? You're going to want to message and, and and not pick up the phone. And we all know how to do messaging as well. In every age group has, has learned how to do messaging. So I think it's just a matter of time now before the best businesses start using this stuff. And it will, it will be a big advantage for them. And I'm going to jump in now and just pivot yeah. a wee bit. It's been so great to hear about IMI, WebEx Connect, and what we can offer. And hopefully for anyone listening that didn't know that Cisco can offer this, it's, it's going to be great insight for them. But I kind of want to understand a wee bit more as well about your passions, Jay. Um, and one of the things I'd read about kind of through one of your bios was you've got quite a passion for investing in entrepreneurs that you put it with great ideas and good hearts. Um, I actually, before joining Cisco, was involved in the social enterprise world. So I ran a social enterprise startup um, where all of our profits were reinvested into like the community. And I'm really passionate about that. So I'm really interested to hear about your background and your passion for that too. Yeah, no. So look, I'm having been in venture capital for a while. So I obviously had invested in early stage um, B2C ideas, um, um, B2B software, um, lots of other things. I I kind of got used to, I think, working with young, smart, entrepreneurial figures. I think um, now that um, I've got a chance to maybe invest myself, I actually like working with people who are also trying to do some social good. So social social entrepreneurship is is the term for it. Um, 
I've got a um, a couple of projects on the go, which I'm quite happy with. Um, and one was um, an investment I made a few years ago in a business that makes makes a vegan or natural a leather material out of pineapple husks. So 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 when you have pineapples, basically the um, the husk gets thrown away. But there's a scientist in the UK, um, Carmen, um, who was, was working and basically worked out that you can take the husk, put it through machines, create fibers, get the fibers round, and essentially create a near leather-like material. Um, so it's the recycling economy. It's doing good. Um, it's, it, um, um, I think they give some of their profits to charity, but fundamentally, it's, it's all about being more green. And um, that business now sells to people like Nike and Zara and Hermes, and it's taken off. And it's kind of you can go in, you can buy um, in all these places. It's called Pinatex, P-I-N-A-T-E-X, so Pinatex, um, and you can buy sneakers, you can buy handbags, you can buy whatever made of this material if you want a, a non-leather um, a material. So, so, so that's, that's, that's a really good example of the things I like to be involved with. I'm an investor in there, an advisor. Um, and also another one recently that I got involved with where I use some of my time to give, which I think is another excellent Cisco initiative, um, where um, a entrepreneur I know is trying, you know, has worked out a concept of being able to create prescription glasses uh, for about $2 per set of spectacles. And he does that through great standardization of the frame. So the frame is kind of adjustable in different places and standardization of the lenses and not having an optometrist involved. So it allows you to do very, I would say, basic eye correction or refractive eye correction um, in very remote, remote places, in refugee camps, in very poor villages. And essentially the cost of correcting somebody's eyesight at a wholesale price is $2. And what they've been trying to work out is how to create a business model where um, people would take the packs and sell the glasses for 3 or $4, costing them 2 And this is, this is a huge difference between actually having to go into a town to get your, get your spectacles and optometrist, pay for the visit, all that kind of stuff, um, and so, you know, so I, I use some, a bit, bit of my time to give to actually set one of these things up and see it in action um, in, in India. And yeah, I mean, um, it, it works. You know, um, um, people are willing to pay a lot more than that um, to, but, you know, because they're, they're in remote places with, with very little access to eye care. Um, and you know, the entrepreneurs behind it and a lot of the entrepreneurs in this sector are typically really hard bitten, resilient guys. So these, these things are very tough to actually get off the ground, right? So, um, but um, I do like um, working with those kind of ideas and lending whatever um, expertise I can um, 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 to actually help them. Well, as a former social entrepreneur, on behalf of all the social entrepreneurs out there, thank you for taking your time and investing in those businesses because I'm sure they really appreciate it. Um, so we are kind of coming to like the end of when we'd normally wrap up a podcast, usually around 45 minutes or so. Um, 
it's been a great conversation, Rosie, hasn't it? It has been. And I think like for, so like a lot of our um, podcasts, we always ask for like kind of a parting gift of uh, knowledge from people like yourself. And so you have been through like a lot of different changes. And I think in technology, we always say the only constant is change. You've been an individual contributor. You've been a co-founder. You've been a CEO. And now you're back into kind of large corporate life. What have you learned and what's kind of your nugget to, you know, our younger listeners? Oh, God. Um, don't, don't, don't give advice when you're... <laughs> everything's different. No, no, no. I mean, um, um, I, I, I would definitely um, encourage the, um, the youngsters to take risks, I suppose, and take risks and be resilient. You see, because one of the things about, I would say, the technology world, as you say, it is constantly changing, constantly changing. And, and who, who knows which way it's going to go? And one of the insights that, um, you know, where, where, whenever, and this, this could go against the, the Cisco brand, but anyway, whenever people used to want to leave IMI and they were young, and, and I'd say, look, we're, we're a mid-sized business, you know, not too big, not too small, right? Um, and, and, a, and a youngster would come in and go, I, I want to leave. I'd go, okay, well, wait, where do you want to go? And often they would say, you know, either they would go, oh, I want to go and join a bigger business because, you know, it's more secure, it's whatever, they've got, they, get, they get paid more, right, um, and whatever else. And I'd sit there and just go, you are making a mistake because you're essentially, in, a, in the battle that's happening in tech, in change, you're essentially going to the back of the battleground. Whereas if somebody came in to me and said, look, Jay, I've got this really great startup idea. I'm going to do it. I'm young and I want to go and do something. Um, and I would often go, you know what? If, if, if it's a decent idea, go and have a go because you're, you're, going, you're going to the front of the battlefield and putting yourself you know, at the sharp end. And you're going to learn so much at the sharp end. And whether you succeed or fail, one thing's for sure is you will learn a lot. And then actually at some point, you, you're valuable to everybody, right? Because the experience you get when you throw yourself into something. And again, and I'm sure it can happen in a much bigger corporate as well. Now you take on a new project, you just throw yourself into something. Um, I think it's always worth doing that when you're young because that's how you get real experience. Um, so, so, so for the youngsters, whether it's, Cisco, whether it's startups or whatever, just throw yourself into something that may scare you um, because I think that will um, help um, help build. Brilliant advice. And my final question is, who's in the photo behind you? Well, I, I, that's, my, that's, that's my dad. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, um, yeah, for, for many years ago, yeah. Nice. Always nice to have a, a nosy around people's home offices. <laughs> um, but Jay, listen, we really do appreciate it. Uh, the IMI, the WebEx Connect story is a great one. It's one that certainly the collaboration specialists at Cisco, we are really trying to get on board with. We're trying to talk to our customers all the time about the benefits of. So it has been great just to hear the backgrounds of the business and your thoughts on it all. So thank you again for joining us. Well, thank you. Yeah. That's, that's, that's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Rosie! That was a great chat. Great chat. Jay was so good. He's a natural, isn't he? Liked his um, 
his meal deal choice. Pro I'm partial to be prawn. Listen, it was a there. strong choice and it was a quick choice. I appreciate that because you know it's a Me true favourite if you can just roll it off the tongue. I wasn't a fan of the orange juice choice. I would never pick that as my lunch choice. That's like a breakfast. I'd have that, but hey, listen, I am addicted to Diet Coke, so anything else other than a Diet Coke choice is the wrong choice, in my opinion. But, you know, each to their own. Yeah. Um, but I actually loved his passion for social entrepreneurship. We need more of that in the world. People who are invested in businesses that do good, is I'm all for it. So it was brilliant. And yeah, there's not really much else to say. There will be a tech talk coming at the end of the month. Um, so keep your eyes and ears peeled for that one. And Rosie, I hope you have... Oh, wait! We do have something else to say. There's a reason you're going to Paris. It's oh, your birthday. It's your yeah. birthday. You gonna spend your money. It's your birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. It's Rosie's Thanks. birthday on Sunday, everyone. Not Monday. sure when this podcast is going to go out. Monday the 19th. So, yeah. yeah, congrats, Rosie. Happy birthday. Um, I hope you have a great time in Paris. And we will catch up with everyone on our next Tech Talk. Yeah, no, I actually think, do, do you not feel the same way? I've said this to a couple of people and they've agreed that I still feel like I'm the age that I started COVID with. Like, I don't think I've like mentally, you know, aged for the past two years. So like, <laughs> I'm, I'm 24 <laughs> instead of turning 26. <laughs> I mean, that, that in itself is just too much for me. Like, you're only 26, you're a baby. You're such a baby. I forget sometimes because I feel like sometimes you're just like seem older than me. Not that you look older, but you're just so wise beyond your years. Like I come to all my life advice. <clears throat> you are. You're an old soul. People have said I've been here before. So it's a great way of describing you. So yes, have a great time. I and what you were saying about <laughs> your age before COVID. I still feel like I'm like seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe not 17. I feel like the age that I was when I graduated. I don't feel like I feel like yeah. I've changed since when I was like 23 coming out of uni. Yeah, well, maybe it's a bit of that as well, because that, you know, I wasn't far off that when I finished. Well, yeah, it was around that. Like, maybe that just happened. Yeah, exactly. But I very anyway. much am older than 23 now. Yes, anyway. Like and subscribe. <laughs> Like and subscribe, send us an email to ukipodcast at cisco.com if you want us to discuss anything. We had a lot of pitches at Impact actually of people pitching to try and get on the podcast. So, you know, Don't send us shy. a guest. Don't be shy. Yes. If you would like to come on, share your story, share a story about your team or which area of the business you work in and you're most passionate about. If there's a charity initiative that you're involved in and you want to share it with us, please get in touch. Um, you can ping us on Webex if you're in Cisco. If not, please email us and yeah, listen out for the next Tech Talk coming very soon. And on that note, au revoir, Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, Colette.